you to the Sunday school teachers. It takes a lot of effort to, to put that together, so I appreciate that. And um, the, the star actually moves, so that's why Isaiah was walking off. That's, he was just trying to be biblical, okay? That was the, that was the reason <laughs> behind that. He can't hold me. That's why he's pulling it apart, all right? Amen. If you have your Bible, it's going to turn to First Timothy chapter 1. First uh, Timothy chapter 1. We're going to start reading in verse 1 uh, in just a moment, moment's time. And again, I just want to do a, say a big thank you to all those that come. Uh, that are here today on this very special occasion, but also those that you call this, you're visiting with us, thank you for joining us, and especially those that call this your church. Um, I'm very proud to be your pastor, and so thank you for your faithfulness. Amen. Christmas time is a it's always a wonderful time, and it's especially a great season of gift giving. And I, I like this, and we all know there's that one person in our family that gives good gifts. How many of you know that person in your family? They give good gifts. You know, whenever you're going to get a gift from them, it's going to be solid. And maybe you're that person in your family, or maybe you think you are, but they've got good taste, and, and they always get you something worthwhile, something useful, something that you like, and you love getting presents from that person. And when they wrap it, you can't wait to see what, what's inside. And there's always that one person in our family that's, that's awesome at gifts. But um, there's also that other person in our family that's um, not so great at, at giving gifts. You know, it's like, oh, and you have to practice in the mirror. And then you're, you're happy face. You're going to pretend, wow, I've always wanted socks that said Nikko instead of Nike. Thank you for that. That's, that's really nice. You got it from Otara Market. I, thank you. And well, they buy you things that you will never, ever need. But you got it. It's like, thank you. I've always wanted this, but it, you're never, ever going to use it. And I love it when we actually get gifts that we can use and apply to our lives. And uh, this holiday season, I got given a lot of aftershave. So I'm not sure. Are you trying to say something? Like, is, is there an issue there? I was like, okay, this morning I was like, all right, fine, I get it. You know, if three people bought it, we, we get it. But the good thing is, is that God gives us gifts, and not just for the sake of giving them. And they're not pointless gifts, but they're gifts that we can use every single day of our lives. And, and they're not fake gifts. They're not gifts that are just pu- that purposeless, but they have a great and deep purpose and something that you can use every single day, not just at Christmas. And I'm glad you're here at Christmas. But these gifts can be used all throughout our lives. And I pray that you do use them because wouldn't it be a shame if God gave us these great gifts, but we left them under the tree and never, never, ever opened them. So I'm going to preach a sermon th- this morning, very simply titled Gifts from God this Christmas 2019. From 1 Timothy 1, we're going to start reading verse 1 and verse 2. The Bible says, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray before we start. God, we're grateful for this day that we can celebrate your birth. I thank you for every person that's made time to be here. And God, I'm praying that you will be exalted. God, thank you for these gifts. Help us to cherish them, to use them. And to be all that we're supposed to be in you, God. We thank you for the Holy Ghost and that you're going to help a lot of people this morning. We give you all the honor and all the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody says with a shout. Amen. Amen. Two points this morning. First, I want to look at God's call. And many people here and through life, many of us struggle with the calling of God. And not necessarily because we struggle with what does God want me to do. It's actually knowing what God wants us to do and struggling with doing what God wants us to do. That's, that's the hardest part. In our text, there's, there's a there's very powerful imagery here. Look at verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and, Lord, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. So a number of things is done in this verse. Number one, 
Paul names himself. He says, Paul. He says, this is who I am. Paul actually means little or small. And I love how unashamed he is of himself. He says, I'm, I'm nothing flash. I'm nothing special. I'm just small. My life is small. And he shows that he doesn't depend on his talents to do something for God. Because sometimes when we struggle, what am, God wants me to do this, but I don't know if I, I can do it. But the good news is, is that you don't have to try and be someone you're not to God because God knows who you are. And God made you that way. And so if you're like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not much, that's okay because that's how God made us. And Paul says, this is who I am. He says, I'm not, I'm not important. I'm just a little guy. I'm just a small guy. Yet he became mighty in God. And everybody here, you might think that you're nothing special, but you can be mighty in God. So first he names himself. Secondly, he names his calling. He wasn't confused about his calling. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He knew what God had called him to do. And he confirms this over and over again in his letters. First Corinthians, the letter of Corinth. He says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Colossians uh, 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. He says this in five of his letters. He says, this is who I am and this is my calling. And this word apostle is a big word. It means to be like a leader of, of a group, uh, sent on a mission to lead a mission. And it's almost laughable, right? He says, Paul, this little guy, nothing important. And he says, I'm once sent on a mission to lead a mission. It's almost laughable when you think like that because it doesn't match who he is. The reason I say that is because many of you, God's going to call you to do things that don't match who you are. That's it, it's got nothing to do with who you are. And, you, and when God speaks to you, you need to do this. But he's like, I haven't got that inside of me some of you it's 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 just the natural things like i can't be the husband that that i need to be many people struggle with that i can't be the wife that i need to be i'm, I'm not sure if i could handle this calling in my life a mother a father a disciple a, a connect leader a wife a pastor missionary whatever god has called you to do there's always going to be that thing i don't know if i can do it but the good news this morning this christmas warning is that it doesn't depend on us it depends on god and many times the calling of god does not match who we are 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 27. For you see your calling, brethren. I love this. Is that not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty. Not many noble are called. He's saying, he goes, look, I know some of you think you're awesome. But he goes, you're not that, you're not that good. Paul's sort of slapping him in the face. He goes, look around. When it's not like we've got the celebrities of life. They're the mightiest in life. The most noble in life. Actually, we've come from very different backgrounds. No matter what you've done. But he says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. So you say, Pastor, I'm foolish. I, I can't do this. I don't, it's not in me. Pastor, I'm too weak. I can't do this. Well, now you're perfect for God's calling. And so never try and depend on your talent or who you are to do what God called you to do. The third thing he says is that he names why he's an apostle. He says, by the commandment of God, our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes, I'm not doing this because I want to do this. I'm not doing this because I was dreaming of this when I was seven years old. I'm not doing this because this is my life dream. Actually, his life dream was in the opposite direction, if we know anything about Paul, is that he was against the church and destructing the church. That was his life dream. He was ruining the church of God. And now he's saying, I'm apostle of God. Why? Not because I want to do it, it's because God told me to do it. I'm doing this because God said. And this is the issue today, is that everybody loves Jesus the Savior, but not many people love Jesus the Lord. Because everybody wants a Savior, but not many people want a Lord. Save me from my sin, Jesus, but don't tell me what to do. Save me from my sin, Christ, but if I don't really feel this, if I don't want to do this calling you've got in my life, I don't really want to do that. 
Luke 2.11, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. If you are going to have a Savior, He must be our Lord. Ephesians 2.10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The reason that you are created is to do what God has called you to do. And God prepared this long before you were born. God had a plan installed. God had a calling on your life. And we need to look to Jesus, not only as our Savior, but thank God He's our Savior, but also that He is our Lord. Lord means Master. And we submit to His throne. The fourth thing He says is that he names his strength to do what God's called him to do. He says, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. He says, our hope. And I love this because you could do whatever God's called you to do, no matter how hard, or how hard it's going to be or what, what area you are in life because we have something that doesn't die and that thing that we have is hope. And hope is only available to Christians. The Bible says that hope is an anchor that holds us in the storms of life, we have something to hold on to. If you're in the world, if you don't have Jesus, all you're going to hold on to is straws. And they don't last. But Jesus is the rock of our salvation. And He is our hope that we could hold on to Jesus. And no matter what storm comes our way, we don't have to be moved. And hope has a name. And that name is Jesus Christ. First Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. As long as Jesus Christ is alive, we have a living hope. And listen, He's not going to die anytime soon. He is eternal. So no matter how tough life gets, we have this hope that we could hold on to that lives. It is not a dead hope. It is not a fake hope. It is not a false hope. It is the true living hope and His name is Jesus Christ. So that's, look, that's firstly God's call on our life. And whatever God's called you to do, I, I encourage you to embrace that with both hands because you can do it through Christ. But let's look secondly at God's care. God doesn't call us and say, that was solid, all the best, I'll see you in heaven. He says, this is what I'm going to call you to do, but I'm also going to give you some gifts that will help you along the way. He gives us three gifts in our text. To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace. These things can't be earned. These things can't be bought. These things can't be, can't be made. They are only given. And they can only be given by the one who has them. And these are only found in Jesus Christ. And this Christmas season, this is the three things that we could hold on to. Grace, mercy, and peace. Let's look firstly at grace. And grace is simply the undeserved favor and love from God to sinners. Those that don't deserve it. You know, Jesus didn't come to help needy people. Jesus didn't come to, to heal broken people. Jesus didn't come to make you feel a bit better. What Jesus came for, or those going through a t- tough time, Jesus came to resurrect dead people. It was not, oh, I just, need a bit, I just need a bit of help just to get over the bump. I saw use Christ. No, 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 no. It's that we were dead and God made us alive. Ephesians 2.1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Dead people don't resurrect themselves. There is no life in them. You need something else. You need favor from something else to bring resurrection power. And Christ, is, that's the reason he came. Not because, oh, if I just have a bit of Christianity, that will make my life complete. No, no, no. We are completely dead without Christ. Can the church say amen to that? I'm getting a little bit worried this morning. Without Christ, we are completely dead. Amen. And But with Christ, we can live. And too many people are trying to live without Christ and thinking Christ just tips them over the edge. No, 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 no. There is no cliff without Christ. There is nothing without Jesus. What about the prodigal son in Luke 15? He says, my son who was dead 
is now alive. And he blesses him. He gives him gifts. He puts him a ro- gives him a robe of protection. He, he gives him a, a ring, which gives him authority. And he gives him sandals. That means he can stand through the tough times of life. And all of us were dead in our sins, but we were saved through grace. Ephesians 2, 7 and 8. So God can point to, uh, to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. God's going to point to us in ages to come and say, look what I've done. Look at the grace. And verse 8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. And if this is not something that we could be excited for this Christmas, I don't know what is. This is the greatest gift of all time that we can have salvation. We could be saved from, from the devil's hell. We could be saved from the curse and the bondage of sin and the mind games of sin and how it infects our heart and it infects our lives and it infects our relationships. But through the grace of God, he can give us something that we can never earn and he can give us a favor that can never be earned or desired, but he gives it to us and he lifts us up to a new level that we can be saved. This word salvation means to be delivered from sin and its consequences, to be completely made whole. Listen, if you are not saved, this morning, I please listen to my voice. You are not whole. There is always something missing. And you can search and run, but you will never find it because it is only Jesus Christ who can make us whole. And grace is a gift. Uh, the grace was actually a word that was used in, in uh, ancient days before it was a Christian word. And what it was, it was when royalty or a king or a queen would come and they would give, give gifts to, to, to common people. And so they'll give it to be a blessing to them, like royalty coming to give a commoner a gift. And here we are, this, it's a perfect imagery of this word, that the key of kings, true royalty came down to earth in the body of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and gave of himself, and he gave us this gift of salvation and grace, something that we can't earn, and blesses us and lifts us up. Grace can be remembered like this, the acronym for grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Don't you remember that? You can have everything that God has for you, not because of who you are, but because of Christ. But if I'm a bit better, then God will shine down on me. No, you can't earn grace. It's unmerited favor. Grace of God allows you to be someone that you're not. Do things that you can't do. Pastor, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. Of course you can't, but through grace we can. Because of the grace of God, He can lift us up. 2 Corinthians 9 uh, verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. And that is a great text because it talks about you can have an abundance, you can have more than enough over and over and over again because of this beautiful word called grace. Someone said, in God's garden of grace, even a broken tree can still bear fruit. And no matter how broken you are in life, if you have the grace of God upon you, you could still do all that God has planned for your life. Amen. Praise God for His grace. You say amen. That's the first gift. And it just keeps getting better. The second gift is mercy. And mercy is simply not receiving what we truthfully deserve. And all of us deserve a lot of bad things because we're bad people. All of us have hidden sins. uh, Many times you say, if we put all of our sins on the screen, we'd need 4,000 screens to fit them all on. You know, we'd be here for a long time. You you, You got four years to go through all the bad things that we've ever done. Like, we don't have that much time, man. And mercy steps in and God says, all those things you've done, even the things that no one knows about, God says, I know about them, but I can wash them away through the blood of my son. Oh, we serve a great God. 
that you don't have to, we don't have to pay for our sins anymore. You don't have to earn forgiveness. It, God removes that penalty. I love Micah 7.18. Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage or the people of God. He does not retain his anger forever, but he delights in mercy. You know, you know what makes God happy? It's when he gives you mercy. We don't like giving mercy, right? We, we like giving judgment, right? It's like, you do this to me, you owe me. But what, when God gets the happiest, when he's delightful, is when he hands out mercy like it's running out, running out of stock. He gives it to everybody freely. And many people here, you struggle with forgiveness. Can God really forgive me of all the humiliation? Can God forgive me of my shame? Can he take away the assault in my mind? Can I really do this? Can I remind you that God delights in mercy? But you don't have to come to church trying to be someone you're not. And again, I'm not excusing sin. But if you come to, to God and say, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me, God. He will forgive. And he will wipe away all of our sins. And we can walk blameless. You don't have to go to bed every night hoping that you don't, no, don't pass away in your sleep. Oh, God, please help me to get through tonight. You don't have to worry every night that, oh, how am I going to pay for this sin? It, it, it plays on our mind and it, and it, and it plays on our heart. And, and we want to do something for God, but we get, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. Of, of course we can't, but through the mercy of God we can. And he can take away that burden that's on your back. Because many people, many people, depression is the, is, the, is the spirit of the hour, isn't it? Everyone's in depression. That's because they don't come to God for mercy. Can I, just say, can I just say depression, despair, suicide, all these spirits, they're weak spirits because every, every knee shall bow before the Spirit of God. And those spirits have nothing on God's people because when you stand before God and realize His mercy, all shame leaves because there's no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I'm so glad that all my sins are washed away. How many of you are glad that your sins are washed away? How many are glad that you wake up every morning, that you are not known for what you've done in the past, but God's mercy is new every day? Because we need mercy every day. Because how many times, maybe on the way to church this morning, someone caught you off, and you're like, Merry Christmas. You know, it's like, we have a bad day. You're going to see some family. It's going to be an awkward day. But God will give us mercy. Praise God for his mercy. Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Those that experience mercy want to be in the house of God and those that experience mercy, can I tell you, it's going to follow you your whole life. Goodness and mercy, your whole life. It is not a one-off event. It is every single day of your life. Mercy, mercy. Oh, I caked it. Mercy. Oh, I stuffed this up. I really stuffed up big time this time. Mercy. Like mercy followed Peter. He needed a lot of mercy. He almost ran out of mercy, but his mercy is renewed every day, guys. What a great gift of God. So let's close. The final gift, and this third gift, is the gift of peace, grace, something that we don't deserve, favor given upon us, mercy, things washed away that we don't deserve to be washed away, and finally, peace. In World War I, what the, there, was, there was war during the Christmas season, and what they would do, when it got to December 24th, that stop fighting in this war, World War I. And they'll take a day of peace on Christmas. There'll be no war on Christmas Day, 20, December 25th. Then December 26th, they'd start war again. Because it was known all through the world that Christmas is a day of peace. That was World War I. World War II, they didn't stop on Christmas Day. They were still fighting. No one stopped. There was no peace. 
And you know what, church? Just because we have Christmas Day doesn't mean there's peace in our lives. I think peace has, peace has been lost a long time ago. And peace talks about inwardly. It doesn't talk about external things. It talks about inward, inwardly. And most people, you, your struggle is not with what's happening on the outside. Your struggle is what's happening on the inside. That, that's us. It, it's, it's talking what comes out of us. Can, Isaiah 48, 22. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Now, who are the wicked? Us. Not those that sin worse than you. We're all sinners. We are the wicked. So how can we have peace if we are the wicked ones? Jeremiah 19, uh, 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's all of us. If you've got a heart, it's wicked above all things. Your issue isn't your co-worker, your family member, that guy, that girl, that person in the church, the pastor, whoever it is. Your issue is not that. The issue is what's on the inside of our heart. That's where the healing needs to take place. Jesus explains this in Matthew 15, 18 and 19. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. From the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. Because all this is inside of us. So if there's no peace for the wicked, and our hearts are desperately wicked, what hope do we have? Thank you for asking. The peace is not through a worldly remedy. It's not through yoga. It's not through breathing right. It's not through getting a bit more money. It's not through any of these things. It's not through any type of sin. How many of you tried drinking just to get away from some of your problems? How did that go for you? That really work out? Right? That didn't, just doesn't work out. That's not, that's not how God works. So we need peace. And so what did God do? He gave us a gift. Isaiah 7.15 Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. And behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. He says, God says, you guys are wicked. You can't have peace by yourselves. So I need to give you someone, and I need someone to live inside of you so that you can have peace inside of you. It's through Christ. Peace is not the absence of trouble. You've heard me say this many times. But it's the presence of God. And you can go through the valley of the shadow of death, but have peace. Because Jesus is on the inside. Many people, they need a cross. They need a, if I attend church, then I, and, and that, the, attending church, those, those things are great. But if you don't have Jesus on the inside, you can go to, you can live in the church. It won't give you peace. You need to have Jesus on the inside. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 29. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. How many people today are searching for rest in their soul? There's always a restlessness. That's why sin abounds even more. Because what you used to sin, remember the old sins that used to really, man, that was full on. Now you do that and, and nothing changes for you. Your mind says, I need more. I need more. This is why people, they get into more deeper into sexual sin, deeper into drugs and alcohol, deeper into all sorts of, of horrible things because they need something to get rid of that, 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 that restlessness inside. But can I say, none of those things will do it because Jesus is our peace. And can I say that God's peace is greater than the world's problems? Greater than the world's problems. I don't care what happens in the world. If we have Jesus on our side, we're going to be okay. Why? Because he is the Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is given, unto us a son is given and, the, and the, the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince 
of peace. So I ask you, is the Prince of Peace inside of you? The Prince of Peace. Can you go through the dark times but have the light still on the inside? He is the Prince. He's the King of Peace. Ephesians 2.14, For He Himself is our peace who made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. That means there's no more separation between us and God anymore. You can approach God and you can find that peace anytime that you need. Two o'clock in the morning, you can find the peace of God. Anytime you need, when you're going through struggles and maybe today when your auntie is really driving you nuts at the, the Christmas lunch, peace can come upon you and joy can fill your heart. I close with this scripture. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. Now that's a big statement. Don't worry about anything. Nothing. Your future, your finances, your, how's this going to work out, how's that going to work out, my studies, who I'm going to marry, who my kid. Don't worry. Every, what you need to do, everything. Pray and supplication. Have your prayers and supplication. Be thankful to God. Let your request be, request be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How do people get through some really, really tough times? How, have you ever gone seen some, How are they going through this? How can they get through all of this? How can they still be okay? Because Jesus is there. Because Jesus is there. And it, you can't explain it. It says, surpasses all understanding. How, what do you do? How do you do this? We don't do nothing. We, we just have Jesus on our side. doesn't mean life's going to be easy. You're going to have Jesus and one of the, the people, person that taught me most about this piece was actually when I was in Sunday school. And this final, my three years of Sunday school was between 9 and 12. And my teacher, his name was Macy, Macy Henderson. And she taught me about God being our peace and that no matter what, God is with us and he can give us peace. And at 90 years old yesterday, Macy went to be with Jesus. And I spoke to her family yesterday. And she was... She's such a beautiful lady in the Footscray Church. She went for like 30 years. And what she'd do, if, if I ever missed a class, we used to take notes. She taught me how to take notes. And if we ever missed a class, I'd get my notebook back the next week. And in her handwriting, this is when she's 70 years old, she'd write out the class for us, for me. Pages, two, three, four pages. She'd write out everything in that class. And she taught me this, these things. She taught me about Christ. She taught me about peace. She taught me about grace and mercy. And she lived that life. And I spoke to her grandson and he said that she died peacefully in her sleep. And all the, all the family's happy. All the family's saved. Because she lived by these three things. And I, man, like I was heartbroken yesterday when I got the text. But I was then I was, I was so thankful that, that God through someone taught me about mercy and grace and peace. And someone that lived that until her death, she lived with grace, mercy, and peace. And to you too, you can have a life like Macy that by the end of your life, family's, family's in the house of God. You've got a legacy of, of mercy, of grace, and peace. And people will speak well of you because these gifts are only given by Christ. And I'm writing this sermon, I was like, I was just so grateful for Macy. You know what? Well, sometimes God gives us favor through people. And God will give you someone to give you grace. God will give you someone to give you mercy. And God will give you someone to show you peace. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray.
Hallelujah. No, no one moving around.